Hey, welcome to another episode of Cloud Sherpa. I'm your host, Joey Muggs Perez. On this podcast, we talk about things that are related to technology, cloud services, and God. This one is going to be a special one for you. I got a chance uh, recently to feature on a podcast with my dear friend, Mike Phillips, who runs one called the Leadership Toolkit. And I'm actually going to include his raw footage and the branding because I'd love for you to give him a follow as well. But here's what you can expect in today's episode. We're going to focus on the topic of being able to maintain our evangelism through our vocation and doing so by the way that we treat those whom we lead first with ourselves and then with those that we impact in our culture. It's a good phrase about uh, culture, particularly, especially in call centers. And it has to deal with you can really only make the difference through one contact at a time. So I hope this is something that you find edifying to you, encouraging. And of course, you're welcome to skip through by some of the timestamps that I'll include in the description of this video. At any rate, be sure to give us a follow, like, subscribe, hit the comments. Uh, if you got any questions or something compels you and do the same and head over to Mike's podcast as well, the Leadership Toolkit, which again airs every Wednesday. You'll hear that announcement in just a moment. God bless you and I hope you enjoy this one. Welcome to the Leadership Toolkit. The time is Wednesday at 12.05. I do this every Wednesday afternoon, 12.05 p.m. Mountain Time. And we have some really fun and organic collaborative conversations with leaders from many different verticals of business. And so I would love if you would jump in and join us and listen to the show. We value your time. We want to give you things so that you can grow yourself and you can grow your people. And uh, make sure if you're not already subscribed to the channel, subscribe there and make sure you throw some thumbs up on the video as you gain some knowledge and uh, get some value out of the show. So today I have an absolutely phenomenal guest on the show. You got a sneak peek already. <laughs> My good friend, Joey Muggs. Perez, I'm going to bring him back on the show. Welcome, <laughs> welcome back to the channel. What's uh, up, guys? Oh yeah. What hey, up, man? So, Joey and I have been friends for I don't even know how many years, but you've got decades of sales and marketing experience, leadership experience from uh, several different verticals yourself. You're a passionate follower of Christ, as am I. So we connect on many levels in in our faith and business, Amen. Uh, and and our just our our. Um, values align and so you're you're always somebody that is fun to talk to you're a good human and i am so excited to have you on the show today joey praise god man it's a blessing and you're right man i've known you for a while bro it's been quite a quite a quite a hot minute and what's been cool is watching kind of the the personal branding develop over this time as well so i've certainly been gleaning from you from afar aside from those like hot takes that i'll hit you up through the dms i'm like hey bro how, how you do this so i'm grateful for all that you do <laughs> yeah, well, thank you very much. I'm I'm humbled by that. If you would do me a favor and for our audience, if you would share who is Joey Muggs or who is Joey Perez or who is Joey <laughs> Muggs Perez, uh, a little bit of who you are, what you do, uh, what's your background in, in leadership and, and uh, let's just set the tone here and have a great conversation today. Right on. So howdy, my name is Joey Muggs Perez, Joey Perez, Joey Muggs. Why the, the, the names? I mean, I'm Puerto Rican, so we always have like two last names anyway. You know what I mean? So try not to think too much of it, but I'll, I'll dive in. Um, I am a seasoned sales professional. Um, life became very different when I took myself seriously as a professional in this space where it wasn't just a sales job. Cut my teeth in sales. Um, I guess you could say truly as a professional in the car business before that, man, first job, I'm slinging, you know, shoes at a flea market. So I've been working a long time, but once you take it professionally, it changes really the intrinsic value that you get from the different roles that you're able to fulfill um, between being able to take that intrinsic value and translate that across verticals personally in your in your even effectual personal life. Um, that's really where I think some of the sauces when it comes to empowering people. So since cutting my teeth in sales, it has been very important in the personal professional development space to continue self-education. Um, in that light, I've spent a lot of money and time and investing into training and courses and role play and then finding the value in really trying to rise the tide um, for those that are within me in business 
and realizing that a lot of the lack of professionalism in sales across verticals is that of a lack of purpose. And that purpose is, is found through leadership, mentoring, and, and the Christian walk, we would call this discipleship. And so, right, in a, in a secular sense, mm-hmm. if you were to take away the spiritual term, it's mentorship. And so recognizing that in today's age, I wasn't limited by who I had physically next to me, but that I could be mentored from afar, I was able to start picking and choosing intelligently who it is that I wanted to listen to. And um, over time, and, you know, a consistency, and, and, and right, if you want greatness, it comes with consistency, frequency. Um, I found um, the Lord, rather the Lord found me, as Paul says, um, and that's changed my approach to recognize um, really the heart of the matter, which is really what Christ is most concerned with, is the heart of the matter. And so many times in business, we look at how, especially over the last decade across these verticals, um, how, how much we care about company culture, and yet company culture is atrocious. Attrition is always through the roof, despite the business, and d- despite the vertical, it's normally... of my income coming from 20% of my guys. So I've always wondered what what that disconnect is. And so over the course of the years, being a frontline worker, jumping into management in the car business from the BDC, used car, then uh, I've sold high ticket end products that are $15,000 on a cold call, two car dealers in a marketing sense. And I've also sold $200 vacation packages for, you know, a big brand um, where we're sending families out for timeshare vacations on a four day, three night stay. And recognizing that at times, the $15,000 sale is aggressive, the $200 sale could be like almost harder because the sale is different. So if, if you don't understand how to switch the approach, to understand the heart behind the pitch and not just believe in the product or the brand or your ability, but the why that, or the yes that comes behind that why, um, those things always fascinated me. And so... In that context, over the last decade or so, um, I've realized that um, not only do sales and marketing tend to fight, despite what industry, right? They, sales guys think that the copy sucks, and marketing people just wish the salespeople would say what's on the copy, um, or they right. hate directly. It's like they, they're wings of the same bird, but they have different functions. And so, if they could understand each other a little bit better, which would be like role playing internally as an organization rather than isolating them as separate departments we have a better understanding of why the why behind that copy or the why behind that doesn't work on the front lines so um really as i've progressed over time i've gotten into training roles where i'm helping develop teams of inbound outbound people i've got experience door knocking and setting appointments for roofing right as much as i have reaching into a cold, ice cold, dead market. And hey, you don't know me, but this is why it was worth interrupting your day and doing so respectfully, doing so with success, limiting variables and learning how to let water run off of the duck's back. So I don't take it personal when somebody doesn't take my pitch, you know? So um, good. So I'll, I'll wrap up with this because I, I, I hear myself chattering a bit, but the- No, the, it's good, man. The big, the big takeaway, I think um, with- Um, leadership is there's corporate objectives that will be driven because of the KPIs that the business is measuring that don't compute to the salesperson or sales professional who is still getting their legs under them, who might be new to the industry or maybe seasoned and doesn't understand why these KPIs or even know what KPIs are that are being measured. And so I've recognized that gap of, look, if we could help that, that, if 20% of the people are superstars, man, what about that gap of that, that, that person that's at 21 to 40%? Like those guys, sure. they're there. They just need some either sharpening and l- sometimes it'll be out of a lack of staff that we can serve them. That, um, man, if, if I could just sharpen up that little bit or encourage them a little bit, which might not be through skill set, but by getting them purposed within their role, they become the all-star people. And now if my all-star people grow and move out, I'm not feeling like I'm losing as a business. And right. that's kind of where well, you I, have to that, that spot. No, I think it's awesome. And I, yeah, I mean, you got to build a bench, right? Mm-hmm. And where do you start? That, that's what I've heard in business. Like you have to, you, you, nobody starts out in shape, right? You have to work on, on building that up. I want to go back to, to sort of the beginning of your introduction. Cause I, and I always take notes. So for anybody that listens <laughs> to and watches the show, I take notes. So if I'm not making eye contact here, I'm here jotting stuff down because I, I'm so, uh, 
grateful and humbled to have people like you on the show, Joey, that I can sit and listen and learn from. I gain as much, uh, certainly as, as anybody who's listening to the podcast. So one of the things that I, I want to hang on, and I wrote down several here that we could have some, uh, a whole afternoon on, right? <laughs> but one of the first things that you said, you talked about the importance of self-education. Mm-hmm. You said, Hey, when I was getting out there and I was doing this, when I took it serious as a professional, um, you, you said you started educating yourself. And so for somebody that's trying to break free, because I think so often, in fact, I had a podcast episode years ago that was titled, Are You Waiting on Someone Else for Your Success? Mm. Because we get so tied up in waiting for somebody to show us the path, waiting for someone to show us the way, and waiting for someone to say, here, take this book. You got this, right? Learn from it. So if self-education is one of those things that will get us to the next level, whether it's in sales or marketing or leadership, where should somebody start? With that, what do you recommend? What worked for you? Where did you start? And then what would maybe a second step be? If somebody started that journey, what would another the next step be in self-education? That's a great setup. I think the first thing is to recognize the importance of it and take it serious, even if the information is something you end up not agreeing with. I think we, we could learn a lot from people that we disagree with. Sure. And I found that some of the people that I've come to agree with the most I disagreed with like severely. And a lot of that was because of my own personal objections. So in the context of even being in sales, if I start selling from my own pocket, it will affect me when I start dealing with budget objections. If I'm having problems at home with my wife, then when I deal with a spousal objection, I'm a lot more likely to submit to the objection and not handle it. So What I would say is number one is be willing to commit to the process without having to see the outcome so quickly. Um, Before I can really harvest, I need to be willing to till the soil, water dirt, pray that God lets sunshine hit it, and then allow for it to grow. So you have to give your mind, so to speak, like the breathing room Mm -hmm. in the first place to just absorb and, and not question as much as you hear take notes. I think you make an excellent point as an active listener. You're taking notes. I learned more from the people that I disagreed with by watching what they did rather than what they taught. They'll, they'll be teaching me the skill and performing that skill on me at the same time. So being very observant uh, will help you big time. And as I think Jordan Peterson says is the quicker you make a decision to learn something and you realize Mm -hmm. you don't like it, the closer you are to figuring out what it is, right? That you wanted to do. So the second part of that, which this mm-hmm. is the, the season I'm in now to try to, I'm trying to mature people as I train to get to this sooner is if I listen, if I, if I'm a fitness guy, let's say I'm average Joe and I like to, I like to hit the gym three, four times a week. Maybe I'm a little bit intense when I work out, I've been doing more in, endurance level training and okay. I come across three different types of people that can offer advice to me in the fitness space. I find a bodybuilder, I find like David Goggins, right? And I'll just even omit the third guy, but there's a third dude. But I find David first. Maybe David's the message that I gravitate to. And he's like, get off the couch, get to work, stay hard, right? He's like hitting me with all these motivational things. Yeah, dude, you you get fired up. The motivation that I get from David that, man, maybe I need to work harder might not necessarily be for me. Here's what I mean. If I'm hitting the gym consistently, and even working harder than maybe the average Joe, what I probably need to do if I'm trying to grow, not gain endurance or get stronger, but grow in size, is slow down, actually like do more time under tension with my reps. Maybe it's eat more, maybe it's sleep more. And those things will actually impact my physical growth more than hitting the gym longer. And so it's almost as if there's one, qualify the teacher and limit where your information is coming from. Right. If I listen oh, to Grant Cardone good. on money and Dave Ramsey, I'll stagnate because both of them have conflicting messages. Then the second part is in qualifying. Am I the right person that this person is speaking to? Right. So that otherwise you'll end up burning yourself out and say that the plan doesn't work. But the plan Absolutely. that works is the one you adhere to, dude. Well, let me let me recap. And I always like to recap, especially if people are taking notes and make sure that I'm hearing you correctly, because one of the very first things that you said um, you know, as, as you're getting into this and you said, Hey, first and second, but even the lead in prior to that, the first thing that you said was like, make a decision to listen. You have to make a decision to listen to yourself, 
when it comes down to the mentors and the other things, right? You got to make a decision to listen to opposing views. You brought that up several times. I agree with you. I've learned a lot. And it and it doesn't mean you got to come around to the other side of the table and say, oh, well, let me sit here with you because suddenly I agree with it. You just, there's a difference between agreement and understanding, right? Ooh. Yeah, that's, 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 write that down. That's a good one. <laughs> that's well, true. Thank you. So, so you, you make a decision to listen. Then the second thing that I heard you say, and I think this is so strong, man, commit to the process before there is an outcome. Mm-hmm. Like that is, we are so in this society in, in our age, right? We called it a microwave society. Now it's a social media society. It's like at the speed of the internet. Yeah. And, you know, we're, we're so, we we see so many results in front of us. We see YouTube and the, and the, like the, the journey went from here to here and all of a sudden they're making a billion dollars. And it's like, no, no, there's a whole lot more journey in between that. And right. I, I told you, I was talking with a, a, a mutual friend of ours, Matt last night, and he was sharing something with me about actually similar to that statement about mm. um, committing to the process. And I, I commented, and I got to share this one today too, because we're so worried about moving at the speed of light, moving at the speed of, uh, of, you know, it's a microwave society and so forth. And I made the comment to him. I said, what we got to realize what people need to do is just move at the speed of God because <laughs> he has a different direction in mind for you. Right. Yeah. And, and you and I can connect on that level, right? We all, yeah. we all want to control that, <laughs> but the reality is he's going to either mush you behind you or he's going to slow you down and so forth. Yep. And then, then the third thing, which I noted is second here, you said, find the right person essentially for the right task at the right time. You got to mm-hmm. find that right mentor that you can connect with. Um, all that's all super awesome and, and great advice. Here's a, here's another question I want to ask you, because when you were talking about how uh, things get sort of twisted up in, in business right now, mm-hmm. and your comment specifically was, you said people have a lack of purpose. Yes. You know, you got to h- help them find that why. So I always like to try and give tangible things and, and uh, I'll set you up so that I don't try and catch people too flat footed. But <laughs> when someone when you are in a leadership role and you want to help somebody grow and you want mm-hmm. to help them find their purpose, what are two or three st- steps that you should take as the leader from a leadership perspective? What, what steps do you take as a leader, Joey? What would you tell somebody else? Hey, here's the first one, two, three, maybe four things that you should do to help somebody else find, you know, start to ease into their purpose and start to grow. Yeah. Good stuff. I would first, um, Check yourself on if you still got the right heart behind your role. I, I've I've a few friends that I've over the years watched their incentives sway. Maybe it's like comp structure that ends up changing in their world. Mm-hmm. So maybe they don't become so focused on building people. They start focusing on driving numbers to meet that corporate objective. Mm-hmm. And so they stop caring about building people that have potential, but they need time. They need investment. And it's, again, it could be a lack of staff at, at times, but there's enough technology nowadays where if we're waiting two or three weeks to review a call with an agent off a deal that's long dead and gone, like, what are we doing? Right. And then, right. and then when we do that coaching session, am I reading off of the script, what you actually said, or am I taking your word for what you said? Can we listen to what you said? And then mm. cause the, 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 the causation of questions here of like, what made you say that? Or why did you omit this? Um, it helps people drive to the conclusion themselves, they believe, right? But it's through guidance. So the first thing I would do is check your own heart on your role. Do you really still have a passion behind why you're leading this team or are you there for the paycheck? The second thing I would actually in, encourage, there's a book by a man named Gary Chapman, which okay. is, a, it's called The Five Love Languages. <laughs> and, yeah. and while that is in the context of um, relationship, what I want to encourage you to take, and this is, Despite your faith, I would um, I would encourage you to read this anyway, even if you identify as agnostic or have some other faith base. And here's why: um, we try to act like if I like we can leave it at the door. Listen, man, if if I get a phone call from my kid in the middle of the day that I need to go pick her from school, I can't leave that at the door. Okay, and the attitude that we can have in say corporate America that um, you know check it at the door. Dude, when I leave, if I don't learn how to check it at the door when I go home, I bring those problems with me and that ends up becoming conflict in my own house, right? Mm-hmm. If I, if, let's say I don't deal with rejection well and it goes unchecked by my management and I'm not leading myself. 
um, which will be maybe my third point is about like self-sufficiency, teaching people to observe themselves and become self-sufficient, is recognizing that I might check it out the door coming into work, but that doesn't mean I check it out the door when I come home. And so the reason the five love languages is something I would recommend is mm -hmm. as an agent myself, a staff, when I'm on the phones, if I'm having a hard time closing deals this week, I'm having a hard time with whatever part of my sales process. And they're incentivizing on the floor. Here, we're running out of spiff for the next person to close a deal gets this. Maybe the this is important to me. It could be a $50 gift card for gas. It could be a trip, a getaway or something. I don't know. But my point is, is that, man, you know what would be what was been more important to me at times is um, the, the manager recognizing me coming up and down the aisles, like recognizing me by name. Hey, Joey, giving me a fist pump. Hey, man, how was everything with you and the kids? Like that ends up becoming a higher motivator to me. And so the five love languages at high level, right, is acts of service, physical touch, uh, quality time. Um, uh, whoa, um, I said it out of order, so I'm throwing myself in the loop here. Physical touch, words of affirmation, quality time, acts of service, and gift giving. That's them right there. And so gift giving becomes the spiff, right? I'm trying to hand sure. out gift cards. But dude, if really what I need is acknowledgement, what I need is a word of affirmation and I'm not getting it from customers. Maybe that secondary one becomes physical touch. So you tapping me on the shoulder and pulling me off the phone and giving me that quality time, you're still touching these things without having to be in a romantic sense of like a, a marriages. So right. I think not, that not would making be, it weird. Yeah. Like, you know, we don't gotta be, come on dude. Right. But it's still something I think that translates to business if it's applied correctly. And then lastly would be to teach people the importance of being self-sufficient lead, like self-leading. So extreme ownership is a good book, right? On like taking extreme ownership. Excellent. Mm -hmm. um, as you said earlier, I think it's so true. And that's probably, probably part of the sauce, I think, is like people are waiting at times for permission from someone else. And so they need to like learn how to develop the self-discipline of I, I've given permission myself. Maybe I don't know everything, but I'm going to make a decision based on what I know today. And have peace of mind that when I go to bed at night, if tomorrow I wake up and I find out the decision was wrong, that I would submit to what's true, despite if I, and I made the best decision I could based on the data I had. So helping people to be self-sufficient, uh, it's like if we start people off as call flippers, they just open the call, set the tone, and then TO it, turn over it. Mm -hmm. um, eventually, I want them to become closers. So I'm going to have to let them waddle a bit, right? You got to take the training wheels off and like let them have the room to mess up and then coach, which is separate from training, so that they can feel competent. That confidence will come with competence. If I know I can do my role well, then I, it's not to say I'm going to reject help, but the help that I need will be specific to the moment rather than trying to just keep me standing up in the first place. And eventually you sure. let your kids walk. They waddle, they, they surf the couch, and eventually you let them. And they might fall, but guess what? They got the pamper on. Let them. So I would certainly encourage helping people be self-sufficient. That is absolute fire. I, when you're talking about self-sufficiency and, I, and uh, yeah, the letting your kids walk. And I think it, it, and this is not to discount employees or people or staff members or people you work with. You know, my friend Ben always says as leaders, we work for them, right? Mm. There's all kinds of different views that we might have when it comes to leadership, servant leadership, business we're still leading our families and so forth. But I think that's a really good um, analogy, I guess it would, would be the closest to say is like, you let your kids walk at some point. And I remember years ago, I went to a Tony Robbins event and he said, some, he was talking about, you know, letting your kids walk. He says, at what point do you finally give up and be like, Hey kid, this walking thing ain't for you. Right? <laughs> Bar, barring, yeah, you know, barring like a genuine disability or anything else. Yeah. You ask anybody that has a child that is learning to walk and they're going to be like, no, listen, my baby is going to keep going until he can walk That's or right. she can walk. Right. Yeah. We're going to keep going until somewhere in life we lose that resilience, the resilience of children. Right. Mm -hmm. To mm -hmm. just go until it gets I don't know if it gets beaten out of us or bullied out of us or however you want to do it and into yeah. leadership, however you would look at it. If that if that makes sense, all of a sudden we go, Well, I tried once and that hurt and I'm not gonna do it again. So Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It's weird, man. I think it's to to your point about that, it's like there's a lack of shift in our own mind as leaders where like think about when we're still using the kid example. At some point my baby stopped going, 
you know, daddy picked me up at, one, oh, at some point. It just, which like you look back and you're like, man, right? Like you both long for those moments, but you also realize it's part of the deal, right? I forget who I heard mm-hmm. some probably Instagram, you know, uh, short that just kills you, right? Where it's like, it's the best part about being a dad, like raising kids, they grow up. That's the worst part, dude, they grow up. Like yeah. eventually they grow. So th- what I, what I want to lean on is, the shifting of our mind to realize that sometimes it's it's about getting them so involved in that purposed role because of the skill sets that they're going to be able to take with them when they leave that you train them to leave when you when i met you the, the company i was working for i wasn't there for the money and i could make that money somewhere much closer to where i was geographically i was taking quite the drive to get there yeah what i was there for was the leadership idea. I was there for the mentorship. I was there for the, the just a sheer grit that I was learning as a professional that someone else as, 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 as a business is providing me a, a, like a playbook of how to find these customers, what mm-hmm. to say to them. It's my job to refine, but they're, give, they're essentially allowing me to practice in their business. So I would go as far as to say, don't practice on the money, which is definitely, a, I think, something we shouldn't do. We should role play, but... That's deeper. What I'm getting at on the leadership side mm-hmm. is if we train people to leave, if I tr- if, if, if Mike has a desire to start a podcast and I put the camera in front of him and I show him the gear, I, I, I direct him through why StreamYard is the right workflow for him and he it gets is. to have more competency within his role, then dude, he's hanging out with me until it's time for him to leave the nest. And that plays back into customer experience on the internal customer, which is your employee. If mm-hmm. I care about customer experience, I should really care about my agent experience, my staff experience, because then I got cheerleaders that I'm not paying marketing dollars for. These guys wear their company logos and know not to be a buffoon when they're in public with it. That's really good, too. I hit where you're saying, hey, they'll wear their company logo. That And that is what that was one of the things that you said earlier, you know, what, that it's either there are a lot of places that have broken company culture something like this, like what you're talking about, going back to the five love languages, right? That's, that's where you build a foundation of company culture. Mm-hmm. One of the, one of the things, uh, and still on the kid thing, we hit on this both as, as dads and so dads, man. Yeah. One, <laughs> one of the things that I, I also saw an Instagram short or a reel, whatever. Yeah. Reels. Yeah. Now. Um, and it was actually, my wife sent it to me and man, it hits home. And it, it makes you think about coaching because we want our kids to succeed. We want them to go do better than we did. We want it for anybody that is a really good servant leader. You want the people that are working with you for you that you work for Ben, I hear you uh, to, to, uh, to grow and go right. Mm-hmm. The, the, the thing that hit home is uh, it was my, my wife sent me this one and she, it during the course of the real the narrator says, at some point, you pick up your child for the last time. Mm. They stop doing this, right? Mm-hmm. But you don't know when that time's going to be. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing in leadership. You just have to keep going until, you know, on the other side of it, too. And so I think that's that's really powerful. So um, you brought up several times, and I want to, I'm curious on your take on this. Uh, you said, hey, I was driving. Uh, to to the job when you and I met, yeah, how, how, it had to be ten fifteen years ago, man. I, I don't know how long ago it was. Ten years, maybe. Not even, man. That would have been twenty somewhere between twenty sixteen and twenty eighteen. I think I started there okay. in sixteen. So uh, probably sixteen because it. Yeah, it feels forever ago. It actually would be yeah. close to ten now, dude. That's pretty yeah. nuts. Um. So you you said hey, I was driving for the mentorship. Mm-hmm. And I think as leaders, we take on different roles and it can mean different things to different people in business. A lot of times we associate leadership with management. Mm-hmm. You've, you've said several times I drove there for the mentorship. You got to find the right mentor. You have to find the right person you can connect with that can mentor you through this. What is the difference between somebody that is a leader in your, in your eyes or in your mind by your definition and a mentor? Ooh, the difference between a leader and a mentor. Wow, that's a great distinction there to make. So I'm gonna take my swing at it. This isn't right gospel yeah. truth here. This is just be my rendition. Right? So I appreciate that's that. what I want to know, man. Yeah, that, I appreciate that. Um, a mentor doesn't have to demonstrate. I think that's what the leader does differently. The leader is actually leading to lead your appointment. You're the tip of the spear. Okay. One thing I loved about the distinction, and I could even say that about that employer um, where I met you at, was 
there's the mentorship element of teaching so that I would glean from experience. They say that like, and I think this is a foolish statement to say that the, the best teacher is like when you learn yourself, like nah, I, I think wisdom would say that I would learn from your mistakes and not have to repeat them, right? I wanna beat the curve, right? So sure. why, why would I smash my face on the wall because I'm ignorant or prideful? So human condition's weird. But in context of mentorship, a mentor can guide me and in a sense lead me without having to demonstrate how to do that. I would be, it would be up to me and my application of what they teach me that would determine if I can really take advantage of the wisdom they're trying to expose me to. One of the things I loved about that employer was he taught me how to stop overthinking by leading. And here's what that means. If we're in the boiler room and people are having a hard time, it becomes, okay, quick, Let's let's pump the brakes, everybody, before we make another phone call. Let's pump the brakes. What's the main issue that we're dealing with? Or he's tapped in and he's been listening to people. So now he comes in the room and addresses very uh, like uh, uh, assertively, not abrasively, because that'll you, you can discourage people the wrong way. But uh, just confront the problem. You you won't you won't confront what you don't identify. So you have to identify the problem. Then you can deal with it. So he would deal with the problem and then say, "What's the issue?" Or even uh, in training me. Once I got enough, he taught me to say this, all right, coach, watch me, watch. So he'll teach me something. If I got what you said that I realized is the correction that I needed, then I don't need to learn everything else and go through a whole training process again. And I think that's what has changed about the way that we train and a leader will train this way where I don't need to, we don't need to go to a two hour meeting and slow down. What I need to do is just course correct and then have you hit the bag again, hit the bag, get back to hitting the bag. So one of my favorite things that I did was pick that skill up through that. So a mentor could tell me that. A mentor can say, hey, if you're picking up like a hammer off of like, I'm saying hammer, like a phone that's corded, right? And you just sure. hit, hit the, the receiver and never put it down. That's like, that's good mentorship. Teaching me, hey, prospect the day before. So I'm not wasting valuable nine to five time, so to speak, looking for those people. I already know who I'm going to hit the night before. That's, okay. that's good mentorship. Leadership is going, dude, your tone on the front end of the call sucks. So here's what I would do. What's going on in your mind? And here's what I would say different. Maybe listen to a call. And then once me as a consumer of that leadership see that, or by demonstration, you're going, watch this. Click, click, click. Hey, can I get so-and-so on the phone, please? Thanks. And showing me. And then when that person gets, yeah, I'll, hold on. They put them on hold that they hand the phone over. I have now experienced you on the front line with me in the trenches. And so that changes then how valuable your mentorship becomes when we're outside of the battlefield. Now I'm willing to really want to hear you even further than watching you in real time. So that would gotcha. maybe, maybe an extended answer, but. No, no, I think it's, I, I think that's really good. And so just to kind of recap what I'm hearing you say, um, I always like sports analogies, right? All my kids are in sports and my, my oldest, my wife and I always joked, we said, we're good football parents and we bring that to all the other sports we go to. So we're the rambunctious ones. <laughs> One of the things that I'm hearing you say though, then is sort of that, that leader is the quarterback role, right? You can see it real time in action. They're, ma they're helping to make the plays. They're actively, mm -hmm. it's an active role. A mentor is the coach. And so we got to remember the coach isn't in the huddle. Yeah, right? I like that. The 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 mentor is the is the coach. They're not in the huddle. They they sort of train you and say they're 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 mentoring the you know the leaders and the other players on the team and go execute on this and they can they can course correct from the side, but that leader is course correcting and helping with those things real time. That that's what yeah, I heard. Yeah, I love that. that. It's like if, if and and it's like one is strategic and the other one is tactical. Mm -hmm. At times, I'm going to have to change in the breeze. And so I, reading your body language might change the play. You know what I mean? Right. Um, which so, might hey, I'm going to stop you here. Now I'm going to call you on one because I'm curious what your thought is. What's the difference between strategic and tactical? What's the difference between someone who operates through strategy and another person who's a very tactical person? Yeah, it would be theory versus execution. Practitioner, okay. right? So like one yeah. of them, I on paper, I could do this on paper. And on paper, it sounds good. On paper, this is what you should do. Tactical is realizing that it's a different, it's different in the fight. This is actually what happens between marketing and sales. One Absolutely. is what is strat strategy. This is what should work. Tactical says, when I say that it doesn't work. So even if I say that, I got to say that later after I lay this foundation. 
So that would be probably the, the biggest difference. One is, is, is a practitioner of the, the theory. Sure. No. And I, I love that. I've always heard it, heard it broken down. Like strategy is the what, right? It's the, mm. what do we want to do? We can write this down. We can talk about all the what, mm-hmm. right? That, that, that's all the, to me, that's the marketing. Like, what do we want to do? Who do we want to attract? How do we want to do this? That that's your strategy is, is up here. The tactical is the how, how do we yeah. actually get there? Right. How are Absolutely. we, how are we attacking it? So um, you said something earlier too, that I want to backtrack to, because you were, you were commenting. Um, I don't remember the specific statement, but I jotted it down in my own words that you said, Hey, if you get up the next day and you're getting ready to get going and off we go and you realize, Hey, I made this bad decision back there, right? I, yeah. I did the wrong thing. So when I get up the next day, how do you approach, especially when you are a leader, people are watching, right? Mm-hmm. They're watching you. They want to mm-hmm. see what you do, how you do it, and most importantly, how you react to that thing that you did or that happened. Mm-hmm. So how, what do you do? What are some, some tactical steps that you've experienced? Um, maybe two or three things. What do you do if you do find out that the decision you made is the wrong one? Yeah, good one. I think it's uh, humility would be, it would be a reminder, dude, you can either be humble or be humbled. Mm. humiliation what's the root word of humiliation (laughs) okay so i think of like i don't want to be humiliated but you know what is worse is um you can add shame to humiliation by being prideful so not admitting where you're wrong so i think that's humility it would be the first thing which you know even in as my doctrine has has matured over time Mm -hmm. i've thought about ways that i was incorrect even just with leading my children and something so taking an opportunity, and I'm going to use our, our just biblical language here, sure. to repent in front of my children, to show them I'm both fallible and willing to take accountability for my actions. But that was what was chief, chief of importance is love and truth. And if I look at the characteristics of love, one of the things that's listed in uh, 1 Corinthians 13 talks about, um, and I, I made I'm paraphrases, Joey is in this. <laughs> But it's like, uh, you know, love doesn't rejoice in injustice, but rather rejoices when truth wins out. Something like that. I'm using like mm-hmm. an NLT version there. And sure. the context is like, it, it doesn't really matter if, um, if it comes to my own peril. What matters is, is, do I submit to what's true? And if I'm willing to submit to what's true, then I can, with a clear conscience, because I made a decision to make a decision based on the data that I knew, mm-hmm. I shouldn't have a problem confessing which this is a good distinction, the difference between admitting and confessing. Um, that's a good one to get into. Okay, if I let's can talk con- about it. Yeah, we'll get it. Uh, if, if, if I'm willing to confess what the issue is um, and that I'm willing to both out of love, be clear, correct, and I'm not um, absolving myself of accountability for whatever those actions come based on that decision, it shows that I'm a leader worth following, um, I think in that humility because really what I, if you think like there's all different kinds of um like special forces right like and I'm, i may butcher this for the military guys so please jump in the comments and help me out right but i like i like some military type analogy sometimes and the context is like there's your know, marine force recons there's green berets there's navy seals there's all these different elite sure. forces but then there's high something level. called a, yeah high level guys you're specialized right and you're like divisioned based on where you're at Yep. But then there's also something called Delta operators, which is like a melting pot of the best of the best guys. And it's not just because you're necessarily the best at the skill. Maybe your demolitions. It's not just because you're best at demolitions. It's because you're, you're the best team player based on the culture that we have. Those guys, like if you look at Delta operators, the culture that they build, you think mm-hmm. the, like just the brotherhood of being in the military is one thing. Dude, those guys take it to another level. And so... I think that that's something that it may, may not be as clear as one, two, three in steps, but certainly acknowledging that truth is most important and truth without love is a clinging symbol, dude. So if I deliver truth without grace, I'll still butcher the very thing I'm trying to correct. So the humility to be corrected, demonstrate that is leadership in itself. I'm now sure. showing by demonstration what on paper should be. So kind of goes back to that. No, I think that's really good. And here, here we have uh, Marine infantry leads the way. That's I, I actually know yeah. Joe, Joseph, he, right. He, he, uh, he, he's a, a 
former Marine, good friend of mine also. So he, he could, it, it, it seems to meet the test. He said, he said, okay, basically you're, <laughs> um, what we're talking about. is okay. So, so number, number one is being humble, certainly like you said, and, and uh, following in truth, doing it through love. The, the, the thing that I find so interesting um, in business, in business specifically, we, we have these unspoken rules that like to use the word love in business is almost a faux pas for sure. Would you agree with that? Yeah. And, and it's sure. like, but the reality is anybody, and I have no problem saying this, the people that work for me, I genuinely love and care about their success. Mm-hmm. And I think that the people, and you've worked for people like that, you, you mm-hmm. were talking about that. And it's like those, those leaders, it's it, same thing with, with teachers in kids' lives that genuinely love the students, not in a weird romantic way, but mm-hmm. in a, in a genuine, like, I care about your well being and I want to see your success as much as, as anybody kind that's of right. way. I think, um, I think that's something that helps to build culture in business too. Absolutely. You know? And one of the things that you said, you said, hey, with these, you know, the Delta Force guys and the and the the Force Recon Marines and the Green Berets and, and these different branches that you mentioned, and you said, hey, they these guys take it to a different level. It's because there's that genuine love, respect, and commitment for one another and knowing what they had to go through, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, one of the other things that you said a little bit ago, you and, and this ties in maybe with Simon Sinek. Um, who I'm, I'm a fan of. If anybody's ever heard Simon Sinek's the, the golden circle, you know, start with why are you familiar? Yeah, he's with that? brilliant. Yeah, 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 that's brilliant. So, cause it, cause you said that when you were talking about sales and approach and marketing and so forth, and you said, Hey, let's start talking about why and, and why somebody's doing this. How do you now are, are finding somebody's why or finding the why that we do something the same as helping find some, you know, someone find their purpose. Cause we talked about that earlier too. Like you said, Hey, you know, if somebody's trying to find their purpose, here's, here's these pieces and here's the things that you can be deliberate with. Yeah. Helping someone find their why is that the same? Sorry. I'm no, it's close. They're, they're very close for sure. Right. If, if, if not sisters, twins, right. They're very close, dude. <laughs> Those sure. I, I think that, um, um, it's interesting. You asked that. So here's, here's the reality. We all know that, like, I, I work hard so that I can support my family. What does that matter if I'm not there to be present with my family? So, so finding out in like the case of me, I'm going to talk as a consumer, right? Let's say I was sure. the one on the, on the receiving end of one of those vacation phone calls, bro, right. you're not selling me on going on a four day vacation. No, no, thank you. Right. But sure. if you could remind me that the reason I'm working hard is so that I can enjoy my family, support them, and be able to make core memories with them. Um, this is something that really changed my perspective, even as the seller on that side. But my, my point is, is, is tapping into the heart of why I'm working so hard, right? If you can get from me in that sales conversation as me being the buyer, that the reason I'm not taking a four-day vacation isn't because I don't think vacations matter. I pay for the vacations, so I think they matter. I'm And I'm speaking from a personal pr- uh, perspective. I've paid for vacations I didn't get a chance to go on. And so then down the road, separate from the sales conversation, when I end mm-hmm. up in conflict, I don't have memories to point back to and say, see, remember this good time that we had? I might have financed that good time. But if I'm not in that physically in that picture, I can't recall having that memory and time with you. So this is kind of yeah. where it's if I can tap into the why, right, which is like, again, theory. We know this. It's on paper. I know sure. I should find out the why. I have seen people that have been homeless sell their way out of it. And they don't sell their way out of it because they're just good salespeople. They're hungry. And they and then you can tap into that hunger with, you know, like you play, you use like sports analogy, like playing angry. If you can channel that the right way, Bobby Boucher, boy, that'll be it. That's a force to be reckoned with. All right. I can have somebody really get lasered in as to, Yes, my situation is terrible, but I still care about why this is important to the end user, right? That's important. And so you match that with time and skill that this, this then becomes someone who is sold on the process of not just selling, but what happens after that? Yes. 
in the case mm-hmm. of like the vacation, does sure. that stop the family from getting a divorce? Does that stop a, a child suicide maybe because they see mom and dad love them? It's like you start looking far way past your sale. And this happens even in apologetics, man. There's people, harvest is plentiful. Not everything do I see harvested gets harvested by me, right? Water, one water is one plants. Either way, God brings the increase, but here's the takeaway. Dude, if I'm open air preaching, somebody might be passing by, hear it, and they never engage me. But it becomes a little pebble in their shoe that step that gets them going down the right path, acknowledging the things that they didn't want to confront before. And so, you know, in the context of this, of the leadership of sales people or, or teams, um, finding, finding out why it's important for them to get that paycheck, why do they want to get good at this skill, showing how that skill can translate across those other areas. This is inadvertently what I learned um, before I went to go work in Tampa. And even with the, the company I work for today, the, the brother I work with, Derek, he's, he's a brother in the Lord too. So like, he's very conscious of like my personal desires in life, as well as my family dynamic. And so taking the time to be able to tap into, hey, it's not just the finances that's going to get you out of the situation, but also like the skill set that you're learning here, even on the direct sales approach, learning how to de-escalate on a call with a customer mm-hmm. who's angry that I interrupted their day. If I could learn to bring that skill set with me when I'm dealing with a wife, maybe I can de-escalate, man, like it's important. Learning how to persuade instead of because dad said eat the veggies, but make sense of honey, this is why. And then sure. tap into like, you have my best interest at heart. This this then changes the dynamic of the relationship between management and staff and staff with skill and role. So I think I I do think they're so very good. close. But no, I no, I think that's so good, man. I um it, it's interesting. I was as you're sharing this, when you, you made the comment, you know, not everything that's harvested do we have to be the ones to harvest, right? Mm-hmm. And and what is so crazy as you're talking about, hey, I could be just somebody passing by. And we talk a lot, you know, we connect on a level of uh, from being in both sales and marketing. And uh, are you familiar with Kenny Brooks? Do you know Kenny Brooks? He's the, the door-to-door salesman. He does, was selling spot remover and so forth. He, oh, is uh, this the, like the best salesman? Him? Yeah, the is best that, salesman. Yeah, yeah. That's how I know, right? <laughs> so, so, well, yeah. And so what's crazy is he was sharing. Um, so so I, I'm connected with him on, on Facebook. And cool. I was, he's un- unbelievable, like, genuine he's also a, a faith-filled person and and he he said at one point he was going selling the spot remover and i won't tell the story nearly as well as as he does but he's selling his spot remover and this lady opens the door and she's just angry and shoes him off and so forth and he and he says hey that's all right man so you know how quick quick witted he is he says something mm-hmm. along the lines of that's okay ma'am i'm just i'm not trying to bring you to jesus i'm just trying to clear your spots right <laughs> whatever and she says what and she stops. So, and he, I, I watched this story recently. He was sharing this with a group of people. And so this gal invites them in. She says, well, will it take out this sort of grease stain? She invites them in. He says, as we go in, there's a gun on the table mm-hmm. and they connect and they talk and they, they, you know, talk about the, the spot remover and life and, and faith and so on and so forth. And he says, uh, before we left, she says, you know, I think it, I, and I don't recall what the circumstance was, something with her husband. And she says, before you guys came to the door, I was ready to blow my brains out. Wow. And it was just the passerby that, you know, God put him there in that moment. And and he knew it was true because there's a gun right there on the, <laughs> evidence on the end table. There's evidence, right? Yeah. And and he says, you know, so so we don't have to see, you know, sometimes we do. We're put in that direct line and we see the harvest, we see the outcome. Mm-hmm. But I think it's so powerful what you say that, you know, we don't have to be there for that. We don't have to. We we have to pour in the good as a leader, no matter what, knowing that, and I love what you said earlier, and I wrote it down exactly. You didn't say it this way at first, but then you came back around and you said, you got to check your heart on your role. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think that's so, so powerful. So we are, uh, we're already, you know, 50 minutes into the show. I'd ask you, <laughs> I, I got two, two other questions for you though. Yeah. One, and I should have asked you this early on, cause we were talking just for a second before, um, how do you get the nickname Muggs? Because I want you to share that with people. Because Joey, Joey Muggs, right? Yeah. We were talking about this. So sh- would you share that story with everybody yeah, here? Sure will. Sure will. So I even like, I really care about it. I mean, I got, got a tattoo. Lord willing, man, this will be a testimony for the rest of my life. That's 
so I got real quick. The tattoo itself is even a commitment piece because at this point I was like, I was getting ready to try to go hit the military again. I was like, you know what? If I tattoo my hand, I can't get a regular job. I got to figure this out. All right. So, yeah. but here's what the purpose behind the name Mugs is. There's a scripture that talks about um, that our prayers go onto the Lord like a fragrant offering. Um, and so, what I, I want my life to symbolize that. When you wake up in the morning, if you're a coffee person, maybe you're not. Okay, but you can still vibe. I am. All right, right on. So, like, it, uh, of course you are, bro. Of course you are. Okay, I gotta um, be, man. <laughs> yeah, it's part of the fuel here. But it, in that aroma, when you get a well-made cup of coffee, and that, that just like, ah, uh, I want my life to go to the nostrils of the Lord that way. That when I, when, when He absorbs my spirit, that it's like that first, ah, uh, I want, I want that. That's that's the well done good and faithful servant that that's that'll prove that um you know i did i did right by what he did with me which is save me and when he saved me it was to send me and like you said you even talked about this kind of like it, without those words you were talking about like we we grow people right we grow to sure. so that they can go and that's the same kind of we're saved to be sent and so it's a constant evangelism point um right for anybody who's uh, who might be watching this that becomes a prospective client in the future, right? Uh, I just want you to know, this is actually two things that I do. I keep a band on me, right? This is I am second. It says the same thing in Spanish on the back end. And then yes. I have this piece. And normally one of the two causes a conversation point, which becomes an evangelism opportunity. Uh, so it's I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for that <laughs> opportunity to That's, share. No, absolutely. I think it's absolutely fantastic. That's why I wanted you to share it. That uh, For anybody who is not, a couple, couple of quick reminders. Again, I share this leadership toolkit, this podcast every Wednesday, starting at 12.05 Mountain Time. So it's 2.05 Eastern. I always have a great guest. Uh, I, I'm so blessed to have you with me today, Joey. I appreciate it. If anyone is not connected to Joey, you can look him up on LinkedIn. One of the things he told me beforehand, so I'll, I'm, I'm going to say this for you. If you look up Joey Muggs Perez, he's <laughs> sure to show up, right? That He said Joey Perez is the professional Joey. Joey Muggs is, is all of the... It, he captured all the social media. You get the, the, it, it's the real him, but it's the real him all the time, which I think yeah, is amen. awesome. Yeah, amen, bro. So, <laughs> uh, any, any sort of final thoughts to take this out? Any, any uh, tidbits or nuggets that are just uh, sitting on your heart or mind that you'd like to share before we sign off today? Yeah. Um, I'll try to be as concise as I can here. I think one thing that's important is to enjoy where you're at in the season um, just like it is with um, being a father, right? At times, that change, that role changes that you have with them. You go from being disciplinarian and authoritarian figure to then when they grow up, I know we would all agree with this coming adults, our parents become sort of like our peers. So understanding where you are in the process will help you identify how do you fulfill yourself within that role. And that comes back to just checking your heart on those things. So, you know, re remind yourself, even if you're not where you want to be right now, maybe you're on the front end of leadership, uh, maybe you're intimidated to get in. Uh, maybe you're trying to just figure out how to self-lead. This is all part of the process. And while it can be cliche, things are cliche until they become very real in your world. Yeah, so, that's yeah, that's that's a big takeaway, man. Find, find yourself to count it all joy when you face trials of any kind, you know? That's so true. And I, I love, like, we're we're headed into you know, the holiday season here. And people always say he's the reason for the season, right? <laughs> Keep in mind, I think one of the things I'm hearing you say right now is like, for whoever is listening to this, for whoever is watching this, there is a reason for your season and the season that you're in. So I think that's very powerful. Great yeah, well words said. of wisdom to take us out, brother. Yeah, glory so to I'm, God, man. I'm going to go ahead and take us out. Thank you for joining me today, Joy. I appreciate it. Absolutely. It's been much. a pleasure.